Good morning, Kingsgate, Peterborough and Cambridge and Leicester. And if you are a visitor here, either present with us in person or online, a very, very warm welcome to you. I hope you've been really enjoying this series. It's been an amazing series and, uh, and it's just a joy to be able to share with you on the subject of the invitation today as we continue on our Around the Table series. You know, as we're coming out of this COVID season, I believe that God is calling us really to step away from fear and into faith, from a life of self-preservation, to really embracing the adventure of a life lived sacrificially for the kingdom of God. The Lord really is moving in a remarkable way in our country right now, and many, many people are open to the gospel. I didn't want to say that, you know, I can remember um, from a Kingsgate perspective here about four or five years ago, coming to a baptism service here, where about 46 people were being baptized that morning. It was a busy baptismal service time. And I can remember there were, you know, that was over the two services. And one of the things that really impacted me, one was the heart of God that is here in Kingsgate for evangelism, for reaching people with the good news of Jesus. But the other thing that struck me is as the testimonies came on the big screen behind me here, one after another, just, just coming one testimony after another, those 46 people, almost without, without exception, every single one somewhere in their testimony made this point. So-and-so invited me to come to a service. So-and-so invited me to Alpha. This person, my hairdresser invited me, whoever it was, but somebody from the church had invited them. And as I've been praying about today's service, I have such a sense in my heart, the Lord is stirring us up afresh here in Kingsgate to reach out, to, to extend the invitation, the welcome of God afresh to come to church, to come to Christ, to come around the table in our homes and in our communities. He's stirring our hearts afresh because there is a big harvest out there. At a personal level, I can say, you know, we've, in our own ministry, we've been privileged to see thousands come to the Lord during the pandemic. Our evangelists have been out on the streets during the whole time, week after week, leading hundreds to the Lord on the streets, but also, of course, doing lots online and seeing lots come to Christ that way. However, when we came to the end of April, beginning of May, I just felt so deeply in my heart and the leadership of the team, we just felt such a conviction in our heart, we needed to take the gospel out. Uh, with missions in different parts of the UK. So between the beginning of May to the end of July, we did nine missions, almost back on back, right across the different parts of the country. And in that time, just mostly on the streets, led about a thousand people to Jesus on the streets and people being healed and touched by God. And you know, I really just want to say this. It, it just speaks of the appetite, the hunger that is out there. 80% of those people who gave their lives to the Lord um, were on the streets. I found that for us, there was just such a, a huge, probably three quarters or more of the people we talked to were willing to stop and have a meaningful conversation and be prayed for. There's just a real hunger. People are aware of eternity, aware of the frailty of life at this time. And it's so important. We've had people literally break down in tears in our arms and give their lives to Christ. It's been amazing. So there is a real hunger and we really are in a rather special time. And so I just want to encourage us to reach out, to, to let God do a fresh work in our hearts. And whatever your context is, it may not feel like your context is particularly the streets, but it may be your neighborhood, your workplace, your school or university. 
But it remains true that before there is a come, there always has to be a go. And that's part of what the message is all about today. There always has to be a go before there is a come. It's what this message is all about. And today's message of Around the Table, this passage begins with a miraculous demonstration of God's love and His care for people beyond their kind of religious observance or or where they stand. And His care for people, His love for them, it ends with a clear call to live beyond ourselves for heaven's priorities. It addresses our convictions. It addresses our confidence in God. And it also addresses our care how much we really care about others, and in many ways, how much we care about genuinely following Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful passage. I'm going to read it to us from the Message Translation, and it's Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 24. One time when Jesus went for a Sabbath meal with one of the top leaders of the Pharisees, a religious sect of the day, all the guests had their eyes on him, watching his every move. Right before him, there was a man hugely swollen in his joints. So Jesus asked the religious scholars and Pharisees present, is it permitted to heal on the Sabbath? Yes or no? They were silent. So he took the man, healed him, and sent him on his way. Then he said, is there anyone here who if a child or animal fell down a well, wouldn't rush to pull him out immediately, not asking whether or not it was the Sabbath? They were stumped. There was nothing they could say to that. He went on to tell a story to the guests around the table. Noticing how each had tried to elbow into the place of honor, he said, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. Then he'll come and call out in front of everybody, you're in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this man. Red-faced, you'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. Then he turned to the host. Oh, sorry, it says, when you're invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place. Then when the host comes, he may very well say, friend, come up to the front. That will really give the dinner guest something to talk about. What I'm saying is, if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. Then he turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You will be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. That triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. Jesus followed up. Yes, for there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. When it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guests saying, come on in, the food's on the table. Then they all began to beg off one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property. I need to look it over. Send my regrets. Another said, I just bought five teams of oxen and I really need to check them out. Send my regrets. And yet another said, I just got married and I need to get home to my wife. The servant went back and told the master what had happened. 
He was outraged and told the servant, quickly, get out into the city streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits and homeless and wretched you can lay your hands on and bring them here. The servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded and there's still room. The master said, then go to the country roads. Whoever you find, compel them to come in. Drag them in. I want my house full. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get so much as a bite at my dinner party. Wow. What a powerful statement, isn't it? What a powerful passage. Personally, for me, I find it very convicting. It's a very challenging, challenging passage. It speaks, first of all, to our convictions. Let's consider for a moment, what kind of people do we intentionally take the time to reach out to? With our works of kindness, our words of hope and faith, prayers that release the power of God to transform their lives. In verse 12 to 14, Jesus said, invite the poor, invite the disabled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. It's a real exhortation here to invite people who are different to ourselves. You know, during the recent months, a number of the churches where we've worked doing outreach, a number of them have put on meals and invited people to come and just literally to come off the streets for a, for a hot meal, for a hot drink or something like that. And so when we've been out on the streets, we've been inviting people to come back and have something to eat. Some of the homeless, some people who are just uh, in a really bad state or really struggling in life. And so we invite them to come back. And as they would sit down and eat, we would listen to them and talk about their problems and, and just uh, be there really with an open heart for them. In the process, we would talk to them about Jesus and we would offer to pray for them. Many have come to Christ that way. You know, I'm mindful of what William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said. We said, you can't preach the gospel to a man with an empty stomach. And you know, sometimes people with an empty stomach, they need their stomach filling, but they also need the gospel. They need both. They need their temporary need met, and they need their eternal need met. And so it's been a privilege just to see many, many people come to Christ that way. To demonstrate the kindness, the hospitality, that expresses the love and the welcome of God to people. But when we couple that with sharing the good news of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, the impact of that cannot be over-exaggerated. I can remember a number of years ago, I had the privilege of conducting a, an evangelistic mission uh, in a place called Bimavram. It was the east coast of India. And it was just after the tsunami, if you remember the New Year's Day tsunami, in which thousands lost their lives. Well, at that time, we were preparing to do this large open-air evangelistic campaign. And, uh, you know, we really, as a ministry, we felt we need to do something to help people. Thousands lost their lives. Whole villages were devastated. Businesses, a lot of the businesses were fishermen at the time. You know, their businesses were destroyed. Their boats were destroyed. Their homes destroyed. And so we basically, we, we raised an offering and we sent thousands out there and in that process, because of it, they were able to rebuild homes and, and take care of their children with clothing and food and all of those kind of things. Um, we helped them rebuild some boats and establish their businesses. And about two months later, we went there to do this evangelistic campaign. 
Well, to make a long story short, over four or five days, 54,000 people gave their lives to Christ. And there were amazing miracles. And out of it, 186 new churches were planted. It was a remarkable move of God. But one of the things that impacted me was, was looking at a number of the decision cards where people had written to give their names and their details saying they'd responded to give their life to Christ. And on so many of them, on the back, it was written like this. During the, the time following the tsunami, we lost our home, we lost our business, but because your ministry provided for us, we were able to build our home afresh, we were able to take care of our children, to clothe them, to feed them, and we came here today to say thank you, but now we've heard about Jesus, and we've received his gift of forgiveness and eternal life. It was wonderful. But we see, therefore, again, this great connection, this combination of loving actions, the power of God, and the spoken word of the gospel that transforms lives. So first of all, we see, therefore, the whole need to reach out with this conviction in our heart of reaching out to people, not just the people who are friends and family and and people at work, but also the people who we may not necessarily feel comfortable with. It's a real challenge from Jesus to reach out to the physically poor as well as the spiritually poor. We look, number two, at our confidence in God. Two times in this passage, the master says, go, go, go into the highways and byways, go and compel them to come in. Going in the gospel, delivering God's great invitation is not just a matter of sheer obedience. It's not just a matter either of our compassion and love for people, but it's also about having confidence in the power of the gospel to transform people's lives. Every one of us knows that the gospel changes lives. We wouldn't be here this morning if that wasn't the case. We know it's true. Paul the Apostle wrote in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ because it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. What a powerful verse. I, you know, Isaiah said in chapter 55, verse 10 and 11, My word shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. A number of years ago, we were doing a mission down in Swanley in Kent. You might be familiar with it. And we were working with a, a United Reformed Church. And I can remember at that particular time, we were knocking on people's doors. Now, it, you know, door knocking is not desperately um, popular uh, in today's uh, church world. But nonetheless, um, it's still effective. And, uh, and, you know, I can remember going up this, there was a long driveway up to this old Victorian house. And I went up and I knocked on the door and it slowly creaked open. And there was a very nervous lady, the lady of the house, who kind of put her head round the creaked open door and just said to me, who are you? Like this, very nervous. And I said, hey, relax, I'm not a JW. Oh, it's a moment she swung open the door and said, oh, thank God for that. I said, absolutely. And um, so then she said to me, well, who are you then? I said, well, I'm a Christian. She said, a Christian? She said, what, uh, what variety? I thought that was an interesting comment. I said, well, actually, I'm a born-again Christian. I'm the only kind that actually exists. So um, she said to me, what do you mean by that? She said, I'm so glad you asked, let me tell you. And so I began to tell her all about the Lord. Well, at that moment, her husband came down the stairs and he was livid with me that I was telling his wife about Jesus. 
And so he took that door and he went to slam it in my face. And he swore at me, said, you bleep, bleep, Christian, get off my bleep, bleep ground. And you know, as the door came to me, I was always taught, if you can't clinch the deal, sow a seed. And so as it seemed like slow motion as the door came towards me, I just shouted through the door, Jesus loves you, sir. It went bang. And I thought, too late. I believe in the power of the seed of the word of God, don't you? The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 23, we've been born again through the imperishable seed of the word of God. And so if somebody will receive that seed, let me tell you, it'll, it'll go into their heart and it'll save them, it'll transform, it'll create faith in their hearts. Anyway, I went on my way. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. So, uh, you know, you just have to get them a thick skin sometimes in evangelism. So I walked away and I was praying for them and blessing them in the name of Jesus, thanking God for them and Anyway, I went my way. Well, about six months later, the mission had ended. About six months later, I returned to do a follow-up meeting. It was a Sunday evening, and I was waiting down here. They have quite a high stage there in that church, and the, the worship team were up there just leading the last song, and I just looked up at the stage as I was about to be invited up, and I looked at the worship team, and there were a couple in that team who looked very familiar, but I just couldn't place them. And so anyway, at the end of the message... This couple comes to talk to me. And they said to me, Jonathan, um, thank you for the message today. I said, oh, no problem. And I said, look, we really want to apologize to you. I said, well, whatever for? I said, don't you remember us? I said, forgive me. I can't quite place you. They said, well, six months ago, you came to our door just down here, an old Victorian house. And we swore at you and slammed the door in your face. I said, oh, I remember you. Yes. <laughs> and they said, look, we're really sorry. You know, just ask your forgiveness. I said, look, no problem. I said, hey. I said, look, you're here. You've got to tell me the rest of the story. They said, well, look, you know, you remember it was a hot day. I said, yeah, yeah, well, we went round and, and we, our windows were open. We wanted to see how you reacted to the way we treated you. And I said, but, you know, we saw you and you were still smiling and, and we could hear you praying for us and singing songs of praise to God. And we looked at each other and we thought, goodness me, we slammed the door in his face. We swear it in turn to get off our property. He tells us Jesus loves us. He goes away smiling and praying for us and singing songs of praise. These Christians must have something. So we better go to church and find out what it is. They said, but we couldn't face you. So we waited for you to leave town. You know? <laughs> they said, however... They said, uh, you know, one week later, we went down to the church building on a Wednesday night and the doors were open. There was a big sign outside saying, Alpha Course, on tonight, 7.30. Everybody welcome, come on in. And we went on in and they introduced us to Jesus and now we're saved, we're house group leaders, we're part of the worship team. You know something. I just, I, I want to share this with you guys because the truth about it is, it's wonderful when people just kind of almost fall on their knees there and then on the spot want to give their life to Jesus. But some people come into the kingdom always kicking and screaming. And the thing is, is don't be put off by people's responses. I sometimes think about it this way. I have had the privilege of leading some people to the Lord who literally died the very next day. And I think to myself, when, I, when I've seen that happen, I thought to myself, what would have been the most loving thing to do when I met them yesterday? Would it have been just to say, you know what? We've had a great conversation. We've talked about life and the kids and family and everything else. But actually, I didn't want to put them off, so I didn't challenge them about Jesus. Or would it have been more loving to turn the conversation around and find a way to get in there with my testimony, share Christ and give them an opportunity to give their life to the Lord. 
you know something, we need to seriously consider that. In this COVID season and all that we've been all going through, we've lost some friends. We've also seen some healed. But in that whole process, the urgency of salvation has come back to me again and again and again. I just want to really bring this to a conclusion by just saying this, you know, how much do we really care? How much do we really care? I can remember the testimony, I read this this last week, of a man called Frank Jenner, who in his own words lived a reprobate life after he gave his life to Jesus. He was an Australian sailor. But he was dramatically changed after he gave his life to Christ. And he committed to share the Lord with at least 10 people a day for the rest of his life. He wasn't paranoid about it. If he missed a day, he would make it up for another day. And in his retirement years, he would just go down to, uh, to George Street in Sydney. And for the, those last 20 years of his, of his life, and he would just hand out a little pamphlet and ask people two simple questions. Hi there, are, are you saved? If you died tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? He said many people rejected him, but many people courteously took the trap. But in over 40 years, he never heard of one person coming to Christ through him doing that simple form of witnessing. But in the last two weeks of his life, through the careful, well-documented research of a Baptist pastor, he learned that tens of thousands came to Jesus because of his simple witness for Christ a good number of whom became missionaries and leaders in the body of Christ in various parts of the world. In fact, he influenced over 146,000 people for Christ during that time. As somebody rightly said, during his lifetime, nobody knew about Frank Jenner except a small group of Baptists in Sydney. But his name was famous in heaven. Folks, at the end of the day, we need to have confidence in the gospel. So how much do we really care? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, when considering the cross, the fact that Jesus died for all of our sins, for the sins of the world, and rose again from the dead, it is the demonstration of God's love to a hurting world. Paul the Apostle says, the love of Christ compels us, compels us to live for Christ compels us to tell others about Christ. That word compel in the Greek is sonico. It means to be held in a tight grip, in a sense of constraint. It's actually the word that was used when, um, when the uh, authorities came and put chains on Jesus and arrested him to take him for his trial and later execution. It's the word that's used when the Bible describes people being bound by demons or sickness. But in every use of the word, there is a sense of an inability to escape. It's a strong word. Jesus said, go and compel them to come in. I want my house to be full. Paul really is compelling us to go and to reach others for Christ. Jesus is compelling us to reach others and to invite them to his banquet the wedding supper of the Lamb, as Revelation 19 talks about. There is an urgency to this invitation. 2 Corinthians 6 says, Today is the day of salvation, and now is the acceptable time. Can I just say, it does take courage to step out and invite someone to a meal, to invite a neighbor, to invite them to church, or to receive Christ. But lives will be forever changed. And your reward will be eternal. 
In fact, in Luke 14, 14, Jesus says, the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. We are called to live now in the light of then. And for those of us who know Jesus and are certain of heaven, that should compel us to reach out to others with the love, the truth, and the power of the gospel. And for those of us who don't yet know Jesus and have no certainty of heaven, there is an urgency to turn from our sins, to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and to do so right now. And in doing so, we shall be saved. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No one here today or watching online, nobody is outside of that everyone. Jesus is calling you to himself. I wonder for a few moments if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes in respect of God. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. And if you say, John, I don't know Jesus. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven or that I'm forgiven. But I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to know him. I want to be saved. If that's you, follow me in this prayer. Jesus will come into your heart. He will forgive your sins and he'll prepare a place in heaven for you for all eternity. Maybe you've been away from the Lord and you know in your heart you've not been in the right place. Come back to Jesus with this prayer too. Let's say this together out loud. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you love me, that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today I turn from my sins. I give my life to you. And I ask you, Come into my heart. Change my life. I receive you now as my Savior and boldly confess that Jesus is Lord. I will love you and serve you as long as I live. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now look, Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you don't confess me before people, neither will I confess you before the Father. This is really straight down the line. These are Jesus' words. He went all the way to the cross for us. He called his disciples publicly and he's calling you publicly today. So look, I'm just going to ask you to do something very simple and straightforward. I'm going to ask you right now, I'm going to count down to three and when I get to the number three, if you pray that prayer for a first time or a recommitment to Christ, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just like this. We want to welcome you into God's great family. Are we ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up right like that if that's you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you over there. Okay. God bless you right there. Anybody else? God bless you at the back over there. Anybody else? Just quickly. All right. Wonderful. Well, look, a very warm welcome into the family of God. It's such a joy to know that people are receiving Christ today. And all over the world, you're joining the multitudes who are receiving Him as Lord and Savior. More than 330,000 every single day around the world. Wonderful. Praise God. I wonder if we could just stand for a moment together in the presence of God. 
when I was praying, I really felt the Holy Spirit lay certain words of knowledge on my heart. A word of knowledge, of course, is when God just speaks to us about conditions that people have, things they may be struggling with in their life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin with healing. And then uh, there's a couple of things here that I also need to address. So all week long, actually, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about people who are suffering with joint conditions. So if you've got a joint condition, could you just raise one hand to heaven right now and put another one on your body? If you can reach to where the problem is, put your hand there. If you can't, just, just put your hand on your chest. And we're going to pray for the Lord to touch you and heal you. Also, um, I felt the Lord tell me there are various people with sight conditions. There's several people here with cataracts I'd like to pray for you. And one person who I believe is your left eye, you've got a condition where it's weeping. It's just like uh, something that's weeping or maybe it's an infection, something like that. But it's your left eye. If that's you, also raise your hand and the Lord wants to heal you. Okay. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just speak healing now to these conditions in Jesus' name. Father, I speak healing and life now, Father, into these joints and command them to be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, be made whole. Infirmity, go in Jesus' name right now. Father, I pray let sight be restored. Cataracts dissolve in the name of Jesus and let those infections be cleansed and healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, there are several others here who just need to put a, head, a hand on your head or your heart. There are several here who are here today who are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Suicidal thoughts. But you're here today. We've had this a lot during the pandemic. But you're struggling with it. If that's you, just put your hand on your heart here or on your head. There's also um, several people who've actually been involved with self-harming. There are other addictions and people burdened with guilt and shame. Afraid people will find out or that you'll never be free. I want to tell you today, Jesus loves you and he will set you free today. Amen. So look, if that's you, just put a hand on your chest right where you are. And let's believe God for your freedom together right now. Father, we take authority right now over suicidal thoughts over every attack of the enemy in that area. We bind it in Jesus' name and silence those thoughts. And we pray right now, Father God, that you would fill each heart and mind with thoughts of life and purpose and hope. We thank you for your hand upon each life, Lord. As Jeremiah says, that I know the plans I have you, plans to give you a hope and a future to do you good and not evil. We bless each one, Lord, in Jesus' name. And pray also a breaking of addictions, Lord, whether it's self-harming or pornography or whatever it is. Father, break the power of addictions, Lord, of each and every one. Father, we thank you. If the Son makes us free, we are free indeed. And we give you praise for it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Yes, let's give him praise and exalt his name. He's worthy of it. Amen. Amen.